So looking back on Sunday, it was absolutely amazing. Now we gathered once again at Rip Beer Company and we were hanging out. Our usual crew was there. We're strong once again. I appreciate everybody. And I appreciate everybody who's been coming out for the entirety of the season. We've had nothing but great crowds. It's only going to get bigger. We're going to start doing shows from there. Eventually, we're going to have our draft party there. So there's a lot of exciting things going on. But Sunday, of course, we're watching the Bears game. It goes the way it goes. And we all, like, I'm not going to rehash it. Things are going on. It's like what you would expect. Like, okay, we we saw Bayless, our guy, Bayless Jones Jr., go out there and get a touchdown, which we absolutely loved. Could not have asked for anything more. Really, pretty much what you wanted was like, hey, can Bayless go score a touchdown? And then that, that's it. Let's just call it. Like, okay, guys, you, you win. Uh, you win Minnesota. I look at that, and then at some point we we switched the main TV to the Houston Texans, and we were out there cheering like we had just won. Like we had won a game. We were cheering for the Texans much like you would have cheered for the Chicago Bears. It was crazy. It was pandemonium. There were some um, some folks who were walking up to Rip Beer, Beer Company, including my fam, who was walking up like, what happened? I'm like, oh, the Bears just scored the number one overall pick in the draft. And then to cap that off, Sunday night. And I got to admit, I'm a little jealous of the Lions. The Lions had this season, I kind of hope the the Bears had, where nine wins, challenging for the playoffs, and ending the season of the Green Bay Packers. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm a little bit jealous that Detroit had that opportunity to do that. But at the same time, ah, Detroit deserves something nice. Ah, they 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 had their moment in the sun. We're gonna be on Hard Knocks next year. Everybody's gonna fall in love with Matt Eberflus and this team. And uh, it'll be fine. And I'm following. You know what? I'm just ready to go. There's so much to talk about. So, Sammy, why don't we just go ahead and start the show? Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. And in case you were wondering, Take It to the Rank is going to continue on through the offseason. Perhaps the most important offseason. In the entirety of the Chicago Bears franchise, it has been so long since this team has had a franchise quarterback, somebody to build around, and listen, it's never happened in the Super Bowl era. The Chicago Bears have the number one overall draft pick, and of course, here to break it down with us is our co-host for Take It to the Rank, Carmen Vitale, and uh, she's everywhere these days. I don't even know where to start with like Fox Sports, CHGO. I don't know if you do take it to the, 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 the tape never lie. I don't know, but how are you, Carmen? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you. Uh, I missed you. I missed you guys. I, I missed you. Of course, the circumstances last week, uh, we felt it was in our best. Yeah, I just, you know, just as human beings, just to not, yeah. not go yes. out there and talk about everything would happen. But great news with DeMar Hamlin, uh, his progress, and we're excited to see him and uh, how well he's doing. And we're excited to be here, though, to talk about the Chicago Bears and what is I am I under I don't think I'm overstating it by saying this is the most important offseason probably ever. I mean, it would have to be. When is the last time a team period had this many resources at their disposal between draft picks, draft capital, and also 
cap space. I mean, these guys are by far and away have the most cap space in the league. And that doesn't, and we listened to Ryan Poles today say that doesn't mean that they're going to go on a crazy spending spree. They're going to be sound and very well thought out in how they spend their money, but it affords them flexibility that I don't, I don't, I don't know the last time a team had this much flexibility, quite honestly. No, I mean, honestly though, the the team that kind of comes to mind is Jacksonville. Uh, with what they were able to do last year. And it's funny because some idiot was, because I tweeted out my thing about, hey, look, the Bears have everything you just talked about, Justin Fields, cap space, draft capital. Like, it's a it's a perfect storm. And this idiot's just like, uh, was, no, the teams didn't go from the number one overall pick to the playoffs. And I'm like, it literally happened literally four minutes happened. ago. Four minutes ago, Jacksonville just won a football game that sent them to the playoffs. Like, I don't know. I, I I like it. I like the position that we're in. Uh, I am not going to enjoy the three months of are the Bears trading away Justin Fields. And if I'm not mistaken, were you not just on a show where you were contemplating getting rid of Justin? Am I mistaken? Did I? Did it was I yeah. Wrong? It was it was. Uh, first of all, we very much acknowledge the fact that that wasn't going to happen. Um, but it was, it was just a kind of a thought exercise. And honestly, you had Ryan Poles today who didn't commit to Justin Fields. And I think that I, I actually, I have a whole thing. I've been thinking about it all day to be mm-hmm. quite honest, like what his comments meant, what they didn't, what the things he didn't say. Okay. Let me mean. Uh, we, we actually have some of his comments queued up. If Sammy, if we can okay. play the first, the first soundbite, let's take a listen to that right now. Here's what Ryan Poles had to say about Justin Fields. Good conversations. Um, I'm excited for the direction he's going. And as I mentioned before, he knows where he has to improve. I think you mentioned that the other day. Um, So we're excited about his development and where he goes next. He showed ability to be impactful with his legs. There's flashes with his arm. Now if we can put that together, I think we have something really good. Because you have the first pick, there are people that sit there and go, the quarterback might be available there. You're saying Justin's your guy. Well, we're going to do the same as we've always done. We're going to evaluate the draft class. And I would say this, I'd have to be absolutely blown away to make that type of decision. All right. Is that is that what's been rattling you all day? <laughs> um, as is so often with these things. You have to kind of look at these comments and see who stands to gain from, you know, he didn't come right out and say, yeah, Justin's our guy. We're going to build around him. It's going to be better next year, yada, yada, yada. But there is really no incentive to do that at this point in the game, especially with how mum this staff already is. I mean, Matty Bruce, when it comes to injuries, he might as well be a hockey coach because it's upper body, lower body. That's it. So there's no reason to do that. But you look at these comments and the Bears still stand to gain from Ryan Poles not ruling out the possibility of being blown away by CJ Stroud or, or uh, what? Bryce Young, Bryce Young, <laughs> like Jalen Hurt. I've, I've been talking about a lot of Alabama and, and you know other quarterbacks. Um, anyway, so you look at these two guys, right, and you look at the draft order as it is because that's set right now, right. So you look at the Bears at the yeah. top; they are seemingly not a quarterback needy team. You look at the Houston Texans; do need a quarterback. The Cardinals, maybe you need a quarterback, but you already paid Kyler Murray and he's the most consistent yeah. thing about your franchise that you can't take a quarterback. And then you got the Colts, who will probably take a quarterback. So two of the top four teams, quarterback needy. And then you look at the guys that are available, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. They're kind of in their own tier. And then you got like Will Levis on down, right? 
And you have to look at those guys. And if you think that Bryce Young is like your guy and he is by far and away, there's a big gap between him and CJ Stroud still. And you love Bryce Young, then you've got no choice but to trade up with the Bears to mm-hmm. get that number one pick and jump Houston. Fine. But let's say you were kind of swayed like I was in that semifinal game. And I think CJ Stroud made himself a lot of money and that maybe those two are interchangeable. And yeah. now you're like, all right, well, whichever one Houston doesn't pick, we're fine with. So now all you have to do is jump the Colts. And that leaves you with the third overall pick with the Cardinals. And that like, you know, they're not going to take a quarterback. They're not going to take any convincing. They're more than happy to trade down. So then that's also a much cheaper pick to get than the first overall pick. I know it's only two picks difference, but there's a significant amount of difference in between those two picks. So now Arizona is going to reap the benefits of a trade down and the, and the bears are going to be stuck, you know, without it. But now if you haven't ruled out that you might take a quarterback, which is what Ryan Poles didn't do. Right. I have a sneaking suspicion that Ryan Poles is out here playing chess and I appreciate it because now you're introducing the possibility that quarterback, those two quarterbacks go one and two. And not only if you want one of those guys, are you going to have to trade up ahead of Houston, but now you're going to have to convince the bears that they don't want a quarterback. That they don't, that they're not blown away by CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, which might come with some extra picks. It might come with some extra capital. It's going to drive the price up for the Bears moving out of that spot. So I think I'm not trying to put words in, in Ryan Paul's mouth. I'm not trying to put thoughts in his head. But this is this is kind of the game you play all offseason. Is like, well, we might take a quarterback. And for all we know, he's behind the scenes telling Justin, hey, listen, no, you're our guy. But if you can stand two months of media speculation about if you are our guy, I promise to get you the biggest haul we possibly can, surround you with the most pieces we possibly can. And all it's going to cost you is a couple months of maybe turn your phone off while you're on the beach in Cabo. And yeah. Justin's a team player. He's going to take one for the team. So I don't know. I really appreciate it. Like not, he's not going to show his hand, but I also think that he's planting the seeds to kind of get this rumor snowballing that maybe the Bears will take a quarterback. Because that's only going to drive the price up. No, I agree. And I do believe that for me, I still think that Bryce Young is ahead of CJ Stroud. And the good news is, is that you have two division rivals who are competing for that. So if the Colts end up convincing themselves, like I need, well, I need this guy. This is the player that I need. Because, you know, you also have to understand teams like the Raiders are going to be in the mix for the quarterback as well. And there's some other teams. Yeah, maybe, maybe the Seahawks. May I, I I know that everybody's just assuming. I think the Seahawks have played it pretty well too, where they are like, oh no, we're we're taking a defensive player. Uh, you've seen that in a lot of the mocks, and I'm like, what? Like I I know that Geno played very well, and he was the QB five in fantasy. But you cannot tell me when you're going into the playoffs right now. And I know that Pete Carroll loves to stress the defense and everything like that. If they could go out there and get the opportunity to get a a, a guy who's going to be on a rookie contract. For, for five years, which is what they did with Russell Wilson while they continue to play, while they continue to build the defense. I think that they're also in the mix as well. So I think there's a lot of people who are still sort of in there. So it should hopefully be beneficial. The dream for me, I know you were talking about your uh, thought exercises. Instead of like trying to trade Justin Fields, maybe you can do Wordle instead. That Have that be your thought exercise. But uh, the dream for me, I'll just put it out there, is that they trade down to two. And then they have to trade. Then they trade to four, so that they yeah. they trade they swap with Houston, and then Indianapolis gets worried that the Raiders are going to move up, and then they swap with Indianapolis, land in the top four, 
trade down twice. I know it's never happened. I don't think it's happened that that close where a team's remained in the top five after moving down a couple of picks. Even if you move down to seven where the Raiders are, whatever it, whatever it is, I'm happy to do it. I hope that there's multiple picks being done. And I honestly, I agreed with, with a lot of or all of what Ryan Poles was saying. I do like that they acknowledge, you know, obviously he can run the football. Yeah. You're, you're ridiculous if you, do, if you don't acknowledge that. And I still think that you can be like, I would like to see better. Like he could improve as a passer. I think that's a fair assessment. I don't think that's, I don't think that's more damaging. Than fair. Yeah, it's not damaging him. Yeah. Uh, I thought that a lot of his, a lot of his footwork, uh, his field vision and all that stuff impressed me towards the end of the season. And I know last week when we did the podcast, you know, I said that he had nothing left to prove. And a lot of people took that as me saying that he was an all pro, but I meant like in the, in the terms of this season, he had nothing like there was not like, I, I need to see one more game out of him. Like you did, like you either thought he was a good quarterback or you don't like you think he, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like he doesn't, that one game wasn't going to matter to him. So I felt that everything that Ryan Poles said was, was fair. I think it's fine. Yeah. Let people think like, let people think you're crazy. They don't know. Like make Mark Davis think you're crazy and send us Devontae Adams. Who knows what he is? He also had some other things to add about Justin Fields. Uh, Sammy, if we could play that clip as well. And uh, let's dive into this one. The passer just for things to slow down um, mentally and then be able to react and anticipate quicker. Um, obviously, with that, we also have to continue to build around him so that he can do that uh, consistently as well. What did you learn about him just watching him kind of develop as that leader of this offense? Yeah, resilient. Uh, a guy that has um, ownership, he has growth mindset. The amount of time that he put in with the coaches to continue to get better, the guy is hungry to be successful. Yeah, it feels to me like when you talk about it, you know, we can say, oh, we want to see some improvements as a passer. I think mentally, I think that is the strongest Bears quarterback that I've seen maybe since McMahon and I was a little kid. But I think that I think mentally he's I, I love his makeup and I love his mindset. And I think that he's he's uh, he's got he's got that it factor. Yeah, he's got the intangibles that you need out of a quarterback, out of a leader, uh, out of a guy that needs to be at the forefront of keeping this locker room, you know, especially through adversity through this season. That was the thing that Ryan Pohl said, and he attributed a lot of that to Matt Eberflus, uh, keeping the locker room together and making sure guys aren't turning on each other, even though they're losing games. And But I also think it's a testament to Justin Fields because for, for everything he fought through, I mean, he fought to play every single game till the very end. And I agree with you in that that last game wasn't going to do anything, especially not because I, maybe I would have wanted to still see more out of Justin, but he wasn't going to be able to accomplish that on the field with the people that were around him. The line was is banged up, was still shuffling. He's got no more receivers. There was no quality development that was happening at that point in the season. I thought they should have sat him for the last two games. Yeah. But that's not the type of guy Justin is, and I think that that's a huge testament to those intangibles of being like, no, I'm going to be out there fighting with these guys because these are my guys. And that is what exactly what you want out of a quarterback. And I think that there are no questions about his leadership, just like there's no questions about what he can do on with his legs. And in the run game, there's no questions about his leadership either. I think everybody is in complete agreement that he has what it takes to lead a team. It's just, again, what can he do in the past game? We saw what he could do in college. Why hasn't that translated to the NFL? It's because of X, Y, and Z. That needs to get better. That makes sense. I, I can kind of explain why that hasn't quite happened in the NFL. And it's Chris Olave, uh, Jamison Williams. <laughs> I, I don't know. We could go on and on. Garrett Wilson, you know. 
So there's a lot of things that, but again, like that offensive line looked, you know, it looked pretty banged up. And our guy Dieter got in a little bit too. And, you know, I'll go on to the tape never lies tomorrow night. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, and to talk about the, the, the evaluation of the line, it, when I'm listening to Ryan Poles in that second clip, to me, it sounds like the offensive line just needs to be better. And it's just something that they have to do. How many starters do you think? that we we needed we had the bears nerd on friday and you know some people can say it's anywhere between i I think five is too many some say four i think three how many how many offensive linemen do you think that we need um how many do we need so yeah okay i i think yeah there's two and three guys that could possibly start for you next year that are on this line already so i think you need between two and three guys starters you need between two and three starters um Ryan Poles did call out Riley Reef by name because he said that Riley did a lot more than what people realize just from terms of talking these guys up and, and a leadership aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, he can obviously speak to a lot more given his experience with multiple teams in the league. Um, and but I do I don't think that I think in the same breath Ryan Poles talked about guys be, you know being depth and even if they're depth, it means that they have all this experience already in game and then they can add ahead of them. And that's kind of what I'm looking for out of this draft. That's what I've been saying in that the bears can add from the top down now with all of the capital they have across all, all platforms, you're going to have depth inherently if you hang on to some of these guys and guys that have been quality depth that have been in game action because of what this season was. And yeah. that's really, really good because then you can add these starters, but then if these starters go down, then you have guys that have game experience behind them. And that's not what every team gets. I mean, there's not a lot of teams even in the division that have that. So it, the foundation is being laid. That was the overarching you know, message of Ryan Pohl's um, whole spiel today. And I trust him implicitly when it comes to evaluating offensive line talent. And if we trade it down and or if we, the bears traded down. Oh, it's me. hard, guys. I promise. I was a Bears fan, girl. <laughs> um, if they traded down and got Peter Skaronsky, I would be a very happy camper. I've got. I don't know if you can tell. I've got my like Northwestern yeah. ornament up there next to a Bears football. So y'all can stop talking to me about not having anything Bears in my background. No, no, no. Who says that? Everybody likes. It's so many people that are like Carmen doesn't have anything in her bear, uh, Bears, whatever. And I'm oh. like, all right. I even have. This is actually one of the best things I own. It was my dad's from the 80s. It's a Walter Payton, like, scotch glass. And it has Walter Payton's league records listed on it. Oh, my God. That's amazing. It's so cool. It's, like, it's so old. It, yeah, it's old. But it's amazing. And it's, like, the best thing I own. So That's what I... It's on my little bar cart now. We love stuff like that. As we get deeper into the option, we'll start... No, we'll start doing, like, what's in your background. Because I know I get questions all the time. Like, who are these bobbleheads? What's this? What's this hat? Yeah, we'll that's a, yeah, yours is much more interesting than mine is. We will uh we'll take some time during the off season to kind of go through that. But right now there's there's so many things, so many cool things going on. Like there was just so much to digest on Tuesday, you know, just like because there is so much to go into, but I want to stick here with the offensive line. Braxton Jones to me, I think is you know, I think he's a keeper. Uh Matt Carton's in the Bears nerd who was on last week. We're talking about his athleticism. Like the Bears really showcased his athleticism, so that's pretty good. He also mentioned, though, that Tevin Jenkins, does he still have a desire? I, you might have some insight into this. Does he still want to be a tackle? Is there a possibility that he could be a right tackle, or does it look like 
He's locked in at right guard. No, I mean, he talked about it. What was that a week ago, two weeks ago? Uh, about how he wants to do wherever he wants to be wherever he fits in, and yeah. he has found a home at right guard. And if that's where the Bears want, I think he is like your lock at this point as to who is going to start from this team next year. And he might be the only like hundred percent lock that I feel confident is going to be a starter next year. I think Braxton Jones absolutely has the potential, and he's going to be given every chance to succeed, given the fact that Ryan Poles drafted him and you know, kind of found a diamond in the rough with him. Ryan Poles did say that he wants him to work on his body a lot in the offseason. He will have a full offseason to do so. That's something that Braxton expressed to me very early in the season was that he's like, it was that Washington game where he was getting bull rushed by Montez Sweat. He was like, I need to get bigger. I know that. And it's really, really hard. I don't know if people understand how hard it is to put on weight in season because of how many calories you are expending all of the time between practices, between games, all the other stuff, you lose weight during the season. Most players do, uh, especially the big guys. It takes a lot to keep them at the weight that they're at because nobody is very few people are inherently that big. Um, so the off season will be a chance for him to kind of bulk up and, you know, work on his body. Like Ryan Pohl said, I hope that doesn't come at the expense of any of his athleticism, like you were saying, because he does and you need that out of your left tackle. But if he can put it all together, I mean, that will be one of the biggest hits that Ryan Poles had. I mean, to get a bona fide left tackle, starting left tackle out of Southern Utah in the <laughs> fifth round. Yeah. Like, sure. That's yeah. I mean, that, that's could, a testament to his evaluation. I mean, you're going to be athletic. I mean, he's still going to have that, that athleticism. You don't want to get too, like you said, like, I don't think that there's a danger. I think that the way that the weight training has gone over the, over the last 20, 30 years that these guys can put on weight. He can show up looking like Dave Bautista and then still go out there and dominate. So, and by the way, I know that he was dominant. I, I know he was pushed around by Montez Sweat. A lot of guys do. Like a lot of guys have gone yeah. through these growing pains. And I made the mistake because I'm an idiot. Uh, I was like, hey, because like, I, I, I just see these comments on Twitter and I can't help myself. And people are like, well, there's nothing like, hey, you know, like who's ever gone from getting bullied as a rookie to dominating in the NFL. I'm like, well, Larry Allen did it. And he's like, well, and then I'm like, if you're going to be the person who's like outside of all the times that it's happened, when has it ever happened? Then you can't have a a thing. And I'm not saying that Braxton Jones is going to be Larry Allen, but if he can be a a quality offensive lineman, then I think that's good. Like that, when your fifth round draft pick is starting, I don't think he missed the game. Just get stronger. That's it. Just go out there, hit the free weights, do some yoga. Like you'll be fine. He's and they deserve a lot of credit with what they were able to do in the run game. I yeah. mean, they I don't they didn't grade out this 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 line as a whole did not grade out bad as as a, as for run blocking. There it is. No. Run blocking grades. It I mean the when the pass protection came in, that is when kind of things broke down. They weren't obviously able to hold a pocket. A lot of that though has to do with continuity and knowing, you know, where you have maybe a little bit of weakness and how you account for guys that you're playing next to and stuff like that. If you don't have any continuity with the guys you're playing next to, you don't know how to adjust. And that comes into play very heavily in pass protection. And so that's what, that was their downfall. That's where they need to get better. Obviously these guys know that, and that will come with getting stronger. That will come with more continuity, but I do think that they need two or three players. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things too, because, and I don't want to say that Lucas Patrick would have saved the season, Yeah, but everybody likes to take, you know, say what they're going to say about Sam Mustafer, 
which is fine. Say, you know, compared to other NFL players, he might not be on par with them. But to say, like, he was the bad, it wasn't like Ryan Poles went into the season with the idea that Sam Mustafer was going to be the starting center. Right. Sam Mustafer was supposed to be a depth piece to provide, you know, hey, in case somebody gets dinged up, he's got to step in. He wasn't supposed to start 17 games. No. And I really do believe that if Lucas Patrick, and I'm not saying that he's Alex Mack or somebody like that, but if he was there the whole season and you talk about the continuity, the offensive line would have looked a little bit different. It would have played out a little bit better. When guys got dinged up, it's fine. If, if Sam has to play, if Mustafer has to play a little bit, that's fine. We just never went into this year in August thinking, well, Mustafer is, a, I know that Lucas Patrick got hurt in August, but I'm saying July. They never said that he was, he, they never counted on him to be the starter and he was forced into that position. So, and again, when people come in and they talk poorly about him and they want to like, understand you're talking about the backup. He was the backup. He was not the, the, when people talk about Ryan Poles not being able to evaluate offensive talent and pointing to Sam Mustafer, it's like he was put into that position because of injuries. And if all things have been, you know, and I know health is not guaranteed for any team, but at the same time, like you didn't get like, you barely got a, maybe a game out of Lucas Patrick because he was never right. fully healthy and it never, you only uh, got, and he never what, got to play center. I think you got, you think you got 20 snaps out of him at center. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and like, that was the thing too. I think that you need an anchor in the middle at center and whether yeah. that's Lucas Patrick, whether that's somebody else, you need a guy that is going to hold down that line that is also going to get a really good rapport with Justin Fields because the center quarterback relationship is so crucial to a developing young quarterback. That's why I've like, I've talked a little bit about wanting maybe a veteran center that came in that has experience that can make those checks and show Justin what he's talking about and like where, what he sees rather, and maybe kind of take some of that stuff off Justin's plate so that he can focus on other things. That's very crucial when, I mean, when you have a veteran quarterback, you have the luxury of kind of developing a center that doesn't need to take on all this responsibility. But when you have a young quarterback, I feel like to anchor a line, again, a young line as it is, I would get a veteran in there. And the thing is, you can pay. You have money to pay for a veteran center to trade for a veteran center, regardless as to who this year's free agent class is. Um, And it's not going to come cheap. But there's a reason these guys aren't cheap. It's because they make a big difference. Because uh, it's worth it. Yeah. You know, that's why That's why I pay all the money for floor seats, because it's worth it. I will say this. That's exactly what Ryan Poles did last year, though. Like, if you want to look at, you know, because I know I see, like, I've seen everybody's mock drafts, and there's a lot of good center prospects coming in through the draft. It's like, we're not, don't draft the center. Do it. And, and, and Ryan Poles has already shown last year how much he values the position by going out and making Lucas Patrick one of his first signings. Obviously, it didn't work out because of injuries, but he's going back after it again. Mm-hmm. And I think it was you and I who talked about, like, there, Lucas Patrick might not be here next year. And if he is, and if you signed another center, like, okay, well, one of you's kicking over to guard, uh, and that might not be great news for Cody Whitehair. But at the same time, you know what? There's got to be some changes made. It, and uh, I do – hit me the name. I'm sorry. What, why am I blanking on the, the Northwestern got your guy again? Peter Skronsky. Um, yeah. So I was, I was, I was thinking about that. The double trade down scenario. Like if somehow the bears ended at seven, I think that he would be available there and I'd be very happy to take him. I think that would be double trade down. I know that everybody's going to talk about defense, but I think a lot of our free agent capital is coming at the defensive line position. Like, I just think that 
if we look at what happened last season, you know, Larry Ogunjobi was the first guy that he was signed. We're going to jump at, you know, we're going to jump at the defensive line. And there's a lot of guys. And I don't think that like Payne's going to make it to free agency or anything like that. But there's going to be a lot of depth pieces added on the defensive line and then a center. And then a lot of the other stuff is going to come through the draft. And um, somebody's probably going to ask about this. All right, let's take a question, Sam. If we've got some questions, I don't want to keep people. I don't want to keep people waiting because I guess we could be. Um, is it too much to ask for the Colts fourth round pick Nelson and Buckner uh, for the number one? Is that too much or too little? I don't have the Jimmy Johnson evaluation. Yeah, the trade value, sorry. Yeah, I don't. I, I. To me, that sounds cool. Like okay, like I. I see on Twitter people are like I don't know about Buckner. You're like, what don't you know about Buckner that you would not welcome him? To this team, and I think that Quentin Nelson, uh, despite the the poor season for the Indianapolis Colts, as a hypothetical, I'm sure that we're missing. I I don't want to be Mike Tannenbaum here and start throwing out ridiculousness, but what would you think about something that included those three assets? Yeah, I'm trying to think of a precedent where you've traded multiple veterans, multiple players, along with cap like draft capital in a draft trade. Like yeah. sometimes you'll, you'll get all player. But I, I struggle to remember the last time that you got it, especially, you know, Buckner was a first round pick, right? Yeah. Because Quentin Nelson was too. So I'm like, I, I don't know if you can. And I, as, long, as much as I love Quentin Nelson, I mean, either you're going to make him kick over to left guard or you're going to make Tevin Jenkins go over to left guard because Nelson Ooh, plays right. right. Um, yeah. But I mean, you need, that's one thing though, that you do need uh, a bona fide three tech. And mm-hmm. in this defense, that's a that's a staple of a Matt Eberflus defense is the three tech and the nickel corner, and or the I'm sorry the will linebacker, yeah. And they already have their nickel and Kyler Gordon, but you need that three tech up front, and that's another like in the way that I was talking about a center, a veteran center coming in because of the experience because he can anchor that line. I also think that you maybe do bring in a veteran three tech. Mm-hmm. Um, again, whether that's by trade, whether that's whatever, but yeah, I mean, a pick like that or a trade like that, I mean, it, you'd have to be know. very sure that both of those guys are exactly what you need. And yeah, I'm not, yeah I, I, I would, I would opt for more capital quite honestly. And I think that a lot of GMs are like that. Cause like, no, I can. Yeah. Cause you want, the, guys. you want more controllable assets and you want younger guys and this, it's going to be more of a youth uh, an infusion of youth. So I would say of all like, because every time everybody talk, every, every time somebody brings up the Colts, they always bring up, you know, Michael Pittman or Quentin Nelson or, or DeForest Buckner uh, of the three. I would actually rather have Buckner. I think I, I like Michael Pittman junior. Don't get me wrong, but I think Buckner just brings like something to the defensive line that they absolutely need. And once they're able to start controlling the defensive line a little bit, I think you'll see, a vast improvement. That's why I think it's too quick to call for, you know, Alan Williams to be removed or anything like that. They really didn't get a huge opportunity uh, with everything that happened this season, especially trading away Khalil Mack and Bobby Quinn and everything. And uh, oh, Rope on like, we, we traded, traded three pretty good guys. So understandably, like, listen, trading those guys probably got us the number one pick. So I'm not going to be too upset about it. So, but let's talk actually, because we're talking about that. What about Roquan getting a hunt, like the highest paid linebacker. Like, I think now that we can look back and be like, look, he wasn't getting that from us. 
I'm glad he got his deal. I'm glad he's happy in Baltimore. I know uh, my friend Duke was like, dude, this is why the, the Ravens are a well-run organization. And I'm like, all right, slow your roll. Um, I just don't think it was like, it just doesn't make sense for the Bears to pay that kind of money for Roquan Smith. No, the difference was the guarantees too, right? Ravens were much more willing to put up more guarantees than the Bears were. And it was kind of surprising, quite honestly. I think that you can kind of safely assume that they're going to use the tag now on Lamar Jackson. But to kind of invest that many resources and that much capital in a guy when you still have to pay your franchise player in (laughs) Lamar was a little bit interesting to me. But I mean, yeah, that was... And I think that we are seeing that a lot more and and players themselves, obviously Roquan doesn't have an agent. So he was the one advocating for these guarantees. This is what players want. And you, I think you can even get away, you know, as a team with maybe bringing the value overall value down a little bit on these contracts, if you're willing to put up most of it in guarantees. And I'm hoping that's kind of the direction that it's trending because I think these players deserve a lot more guaranteed money than they're getting. I mean, you see that trending in other leagues, uh, and I, I don't understand why in the most violent of the four major sports in North America that you are not talking more guarantees in these contracts. So that just shows you, I mean, where these players' heads are at. I think that was a microcosm. What Roquan Smith wanted was a microcosm of what is kind of on the brain of a lot of these players in that I just want to make sure that I get guaranteed money that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. Uh, And then he also wanted to reset the market, which he did because he's now the first off-ball linebacker to make over $20 million a year. So good for him. But yeah, Yeah, the Bears weren't going to do that. They've got way too many holes to plug and they're rebuilding. The, The Ravens are in a completely different situation, so... And we can be happy for Roquan Smith and not have to talk S about him and be like, you know what? Thank you for your years in Chicago. Hope it goes well for you in Baltimore. I'll be yeah. rooting for you this weekend. Uh, maybe not. I kind of like the Bengals. But, but in any event, you know, like, cool. I'm happy. I'm happy. Listen, I'm happy for Roquan. It doesn't matter. We got a second round pick. Um, that's all good. Do we have another question, by the way, Sammy? Otherwise, would you be willing to trade for D Hop? Also, uh, is he going to want an extension? You know, that's the one cool thing about, uh, you know, having all that cap space is your ability to sign extensions. I would be willing to take on DeAndre Hopkins, but I'm not giving up a first round or a second round pick for him, uh, even though that's what you paid for Chase Claypool. I think the D hops a little bit older and uh, the salary is a little bit, you know, heftier. I, I, I look at I, I kind of equate it similar to what Amari Cooper went through last year where he Cleveland got him on the cheap because they're willing to pay all that money. There might be a more robust market for DeAndre Hopkins. But for me, I, I would take him. like, yeah, but it's like, Oh, I'm not, you know, it's like one of those things. Like somebody's like, Hey, do you want to, do you want tickets for monster jam? Like, Oh yeah. Like oh, they're a hundred bucks. You're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Um, so I would take him. Where, where, where's your head at with uh, DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, what scares me about this is the reports that are saying that this is going, this, this is, uh, the desire of the owner to do this. Yeah. And that will be communicated to whoever the new GM ends up being. That scares me because I don't necessarily know that owners have a realistic idea of what a player is worth. And so I don't know if him telling that, you know, the new GM that he wants to trade Hop. I don't know if there's also conditions that come with that. Like, okay, but it has to be for this. That scares right. me, number one. 
if you could, I would I would trade a second round pick for D Hop because if you look at the player that Kyler Murray was before, like while D Hop was on suspension, which hopefully there's no more PED mix-ups. Yeah. Um Kyler Murray was a completely different player with D Hop on the field. Completely. And yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, he may be 31 years old, but he is I and last I checked, I mean, plenty of these guys play into their mid-30s, and he's one of those guys that makes these very sticky-handed, one-handed catches. He can contort his body. He's got incredible body control. And he can make these catches that aren't perfect, from passes that maybe aren't perfect. They're not perfectly placed. But he can adjust himself, given his experience, given his talent, given his athleticism, to make those catches. And, oh, hey, maybe in a developing young quarterback who's still coming into his own as an NFL passer – Maybe all of his balls aren't going to be right on the money. Maybe he's not going to be throwing dots and dimes all over the place every single time. And maybe that would be nice to have a veteran in that room that is of D-Hop's caliber. I think that he's still got a lot left to give. So I would give up a second rounder. I'm just kind of scared about the whole situation of the fact that this is coming from an owner. They might not have a really realistic sense of what D-Hop's worth. Well, the owner, I wouldn't wouldn't overpay for him. I mean, you talk about a you talk about a trade that had veteran players in it, and I know it might not have been multiple veteran players, but when DeAndre Hopkins was traded to the Arizona Cardinals for a second round pick back then, uh, it did include David Johnson, a running back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it it so that the 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 Texans obviously didn't know what you should get for a for a wide receiver because yeah, they made that, that move without getting a first round pick, which is absolutely ridiculous. They also didn't know what they needed to get for JJ. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. That too. I don't know how Nick Casario still has a job. I'm going to be quite honest. What is, why are you still there? Like why, how, how is this possible? Oh, you I, fired I two coaches after one year. I mean, he has, I, I I'm not going to speculate. I'm just surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised. I shouldn't. You shall I'll say he should be fired. And there's a lot of things going on. I was on, I was on Sportsnet in Canada on Monday night, Tuesday morning. And you know, they were talking about like rank the jobs because we do a thing called rank them. Like what are the five be- of the five job openings right now for head coaches? What's the what's the best? What's the worst? I said the worst one's Houston, because despite the fact that they have the number two overall pick could possibly get the number one pick at worst they you have two and 12. They still have so many institutional questions that to me, it's not worth it. Like it just How wouldn't be worth have they been picking in the top five. They've been in the top five for the last like however many years and nothing's yeah. changed. Because it's, yeah, it's institutional. It's way, there's way too many issues that are going on. And you know what? Like, listen, like Jacksonville has had some top picks recently, but at the same time, they still had a run to the AFC title game not too long ago. They've shown like, and I think that the Khan family has shown like through Fulham and AEW that they know how to run organizations. And I think that they're on the right track now. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. I hope the Bears are going to be very similar. If Houston sticks with the status quo, like I will see you next year. Like for everybody who makes fun of the Bears, like oh you'll be you'll be four and thirteen. I'm like we're not. No, that's not. No, that's not happening. And I had even said this uh, in my little diatribe about what the Bears have, and I said, look, they're one and seven in one score games this season. And somebody was like, I don't think that's as good as you think it is. I'm like, with a roster this bad that we were in so many one score games, and there were some non one score games that should have been considered one score games. I think of like you know. I think one of the Minnesota games, one of the Packer games, where I, I'm like, all you got to do it, like, look what the look what the Vikings did this year. 
They flipped the script on those one score games. Now I'm not saying they're going to go 11 and 0. Like it's not like we're going to go 10 and 0 in one score games next season. But you flip the script a little bit, and again, I think that what Jacksonville did this year, what the Lions did this year, it's a blueprint. And the Eagles the year before, like we're a couple of years off of the Eagles, but like these, these are the, this is the progressions that we're trying to be making. And so I would, I, I guess I would, uh, considering that we're hopefully going to get a boatload of picks moving down multiple times, um, surrendering a second round pick is not going to be that big a deal. And speaking of second round picks that we have surrendered for a wide receiver, I think it now is the point to, uh, and we won't play the clip just yet, but let's, I'm going to talk about Chase Claypool for a moment. And I swear to great Caesars ghost himself. If I see one more person go out there and be like, well, the bears basically traded a first. No, no. You know what they did? They traded a second round pick for Chase Claypool. It's not essentially, it's not essentially a first round pick because what that would mean is that when the Steelers pick, they're picking that on Thursday night, and that player is getting a five-year contract, which is not the case. That player, that 30-second pick is going to be Friday night. It'll lead off the contest. We'll have to sit there and wear it and be like, yeah, we'll sit there and watch the uh, the four highlights from Chase Claypool, and okay, the Steelers are the greatest organization in the world, whatever. But at the same time, it's a second round pick. And to me, I look at because, you know, we weren't bringing back Roquan Smith anyways. What we basically did was trade down in the draft. We got the Ravens pick. We gave up our pick. We were going to lose Roquan anyways. And we got Chase Claypool, which to me ends up being all right. And that's something that was asked of Ryan Poles today. And uh, let's hear what he had to say on the Chase Claypool situation. That's, that's a, a good point. You know, I think that's, the difference between like trades in baseball and, and, and basketball. It's like plug and play. There's an entire off season and half of a season of installs and all the things that you need to do collectively to play and, and execute offensive play. Um, on top of that, it was a little bit choppy with some of it, Justin getting dinged up. Um, he got dinged up. Uh, so it was a little bit choppy of a start. I don't, I told Chase and we had a really good conversation. I'm not blinking at that one at all. I think he's going to help us moving forward, and I'm excited about it. Carmen, where do you stand on the on the Chase Claypool trade a, a few months later? Yeah, I don't really know what the expectations were of a lot of these people that are like, "Ah, oh, that was a, that was a terrible trade." I'm like, you, we don't know what's what that trade even was yet, because at the point that Chase Claypool came into the season again. You're still trying to figure out that like, the Bears had the least amount of passing yards because they had the least amount of passing attempts <laughs> in the league. Like, there's not a lot of targets to go around, and he's coming into a brand new system where, and Ryan Pohl said it, it's not plug and play in the NFL. You don't know these guys, you don't know the system. It's drastically different from what you are you were operating in in Pittsburgh. So we don't know what this trade has turned into yet. And I love the fact that he's talking about Justin and I are going to work together in the offseason with the rest of the receivers. We're going to put in all this, like we're going to have the benefit of a full offseason program and we'll come in next year, second year in the system, ready to go with, with he, him being more familiar. I mean, that's not even the amount of time that Chase Claypool was there, especially given that he was hurt, Justin was hurt. That's not enough time to even like learn the terminology in the playbook. Like, you need more time. So I we can't rush to judgment on, on Chase. I don't think he's a number one receiver. 
I will, I will, I will fully say that and, and endorse that. Like, I don't, I don't see him as the number one guy. I still think that the Bears need a bona fide number one guy, which is why D Hop is a little bit intriguing. Right. Um, but as the second or third receiver with Darnell Mooney back healthy next year, I like Chase Claypool, and I think that, like you said, it was really just trading down in the second round to get him. Um, I think that that. I, I think that was worth it at this point. But again, I think it's an incomplete grade at this. You don't, you don't know what that's going to become. And from what we saw of him this season, I don't think that's a fair representation of what kind of player he can be. Absolutely agree. And it remind, or it struck me today, uh, watching our friend Kay Adams on the up and Adams show on FanDuel TV, you know, she was talking about everybody who had an opinion on the amount of money that the Jacksonville Jaguars threw at Christian Kirk, Christian which Kirk. I, I, I kind of took that personal. Cause I'm like, yeah, I was one of those guys. I really was. <laughs> I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I was, I, I was like, you know, you, you think about it. You think of like all the receivers who were moving around last year, Christian Kirk did not strike you as one. When you think about Devonte Adams and some of the other players who have moved just over the past couple of years, like that wasn't the game changer, but he was making all this money that forced all these other deals so I was, I was gonna say he reset the market, and then a really good point she made was that he's now the 18th highest paid receiver. So, like, he may have reset the market, but there are now 17 other receivers that have benefited from that. So, yeah. like, in the end of the day, Jacksonville kind of got him on the cheap, no, especially 100%. for what he did this season. Yeah, and so when she was saying that, you know, I thought to myself, um, you know, so she 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 told everybody who is still upset about that to shut up. And I, I told her via tweet, I said, uh, they've moved on to, you gave up a first round pick for Chase Claypool. That's going to be the new one. And I'll be honest with you. If it works out the same way for us as it did for Jacksonville, then again, this will be one of those things that hopefully next season at the end of the year, Kay Adams will be like, Hey, for all of you people who are knocking the bears for giving up the 32nd pick in the draft to 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 the Steelers for Chase Clay, you can shut up now because he's gone out there and been pretty good. And if you think about a receivers room that has a combination of Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, and let's just say if we're just throwing out veteran names, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, somebody like that to go into. The, I'm sorry, I know it's too close. I know it's too close to. You. No, I, I would love to see them in Chicago. I know, you'd like love to see them. Yeah. <laughs> I would. You know what? But it's like okay, that's a receivers room. Like okay, now all of a sudden. You know, when you think of it in the context of like, if they get in, in it, they'll probably end up drafting a guy as well who could end up being like a, a, uh, a, uh, Chris, like Christian Watson type maybe as well. Like the receiver room could be vastly improved. I don't think it's going to take that much work to get it done. It'll end up looking like a fantasy football wide receiver room. And speaking of fantasy football, the fantasy football season is not over. And the best way to continue to play fantasy football is to go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up, or even better, go to download the app, the Underdog Fantasy app. Go to the, you know, go to your app store or whatever you do. Download the Underdog Fantasy app. You can go there right now. And you're like, listen, I'm going to play this. I'm going to, there's so many contests that you can play here in the playoffs. So many, so many things that you can do with the Underdog Fantasy app that I implore you to go there right now, download it, and Underdog Fantasy is going to match your initial deposit up to $100, which means if you go in there, you deposit $100. Underdog Fantasy will give you $100. If you do $25, you're going to end up getting $25. Don't try to pull a fast one. They're not suckers, okay? 
but go to underdogfantasy.com and do that right now. Get the app. By the way, I was at the gym today and uh, the underdog fantasy app notified me that the Ravens had signed somebody. I thought it was like, oh, they, they signed Lamar Jackson. Like, thank God. I'm like, it's Roquan. Whatever, but you know, it did. So the, the app is, it's a newsbreaker and it allows you to play fantasy games and the fantasy playoffs, you know, the playoff season. I know a lot of people just associate, you know, fantasy football ending week 17, but there is so much going on. And not only that, once the draft comes around, there's going to be so many contests that you're going to want to be involved with. So go to underdogfantasy.com, download the app, go explore and see what they got to because they got it. It's, it's the best app out there. I know that everybody, Everybody's like, oh, I like this one. No, no, no. Underdog Fantasy is where you want to play your fantasy sports. So that was my diatribe, though, as well, on Chase Claypool, because that's been upsetting me a little bit. One thing that we did see, going back, let's backtrack a little bit, talking about Justin Fields and his leadership. We saw a video that's been circulating around where Justin Fields made sure to give David Montgomery a hug uh, after the final game. What, what does this mean? Is, are we not? Are we not going to see David Montgomery? What is your gut feel with David Montgomery and his situation with the Chicago Bears? Oh, don't make me speculate on if guys are coming back to teams. I've had to do enough. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Being up in Green Bay. Um, no, uh, Brian Poles said it perfectly today. He said, "I'm a big David Montgomery fan," and it sounds like from everything Poles was saying that he is an integral part of this offense and will continue to be. I mean, he talked very much about how there was an offensive identity that was established by the Bears this season. The foundation was laid for it. And it includes a very, very good run game. And David Montgomery was a huge part of that. So I think that if you want to continue that and continue building on the foundation that you've already started, then you resign David Montgomery. But I don't know what you know David Montgomery wants as far as contracts go. I don't know. I mean, the Bears have all of the money in the world yeah. to make it happen. So I would, ex- I, I would expect David Montgomery to be back. I would be really surprised if, I mean, that's famous last words, but I would be very surprised if he ends up not in blue and orange next year. I feel the same way. And it's one of those things, too, that when you look at the running backs, uh, the running back market, there's a lot of guys hitting free agency this season, including Saquon Barkley, including Josh Jacobs, who had the best season of his career. I know a lot of people, I, I see people, online saying like the the bear should draft josh jacobs and i'm like why would you listen josh jacobs had a great season for the raiders this year in his contract year but david montgomery i think i don't i I won't concede i'm not going to concede that josh jacobs is better than david montgomery david montgomery has been in this system and i would just like to see him benefit and i'm talking about david montgomery benefit from a better offensive line getting another year with justin fields i think that's our guy and I want him. I want him to come back, and I want him to be a member of the Chicago Bears. So I hope that uh, I hope that works out as well. That's my sincerest hope. Uh, when I go on the Tape Never Lies Network tomorrow, I know Draft Doctor Phil is one of the guys who's been a, a as big a bigger David Montgomery fan than me. And because so, I go back with him, I, I loved him at Iowa State, and this was back, you know, when my children were smaller, and I could watch a Saturday morning college football game, and I would sit there with my daughter. She was kind of a newborn, or she was a little tiny, one or two. He was still playing at Iowa State, and it was so much fun because we they they play the nine a.m. games here on the West Coast, uh, so that was always enjoyable. So I've always been a big fan of his. I hope he's going to be back. Uh, Sammy, how about some questions? Though? I I feel like we've been neglecting, but I think we're hitting all the subjects. Um, all right, Lovey Smith. I don't think it's going to be our defensive coordinator unless they fired Allen Williams today, and I missed it. I'm still. I'm still in on Allen Williams. I know that 
that Ryan Poles or Matt Eberflus was also very like so Eberflus asked to be like, yeah, we'll see. We'll evaluate. Okay, we got it. You'll evaluate it. Upper body injuries, whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever you got to do, Matt. Like, it's fine. I don't think that you could get a fair evaluation on Alan Williams. I know a lot of people are like, he wasn't he wasn't aggressive enough as like for what he was working with. Um, I would though, I mean, if if you were to be agreeable, I would love to see um, you know, when they give those those like kind of like assistant to the assistant type of things, like just yeah, having like maybe, analysts, I'd love to have maybe on the defensive snap. analyst. Yes, that's it. Defensive analyst position. Those exist. That was what Levy was when in Houston before they hired him. As a that's coach. right. Oh yeah, he wasn't so, a defensive coordinator, was he? No, he wasn't. He was a defensive analyst or senior advisor. You know, one of those advisor, one of those titles. Yeah. Um, consultant, whatever. Yeah. So I. Yeah. No. I. You're not going to replace Allen Williams at this point. Again, he, especially when you have a defensive head coach. And you have a DC that works under that defensive head coach and kind of, again, trickles down the system to the players. That's not something that you're going to, granted, I think the systems are pretty similar, but yeah, you can add him as an advisor, but you're not going to put him in charge of the defense at this point. Alan Williams has earned another year of figuring it out with more pieces because there was subtraction. There was a net subtraction um, from the defense this year. So yeah. you got to give him, you got to give him more of a chance. No. And I thought that, you know, given he got a little bit more aggressive as the year went on, but I think given with what he was working with, like, dude, you can only yeah. do so much. Like, yeah, you don't, you don't have like the space, the more athletic kind of guys that can penetrate the pocket on the interior of that defensive line, which is again, so important in this defense. Um, the edge rushers, you didn't have a really solid rotation on the outside, especially with, you know, when Robert Quinn left and then you didn't have any supplemental stuff from the linebackers, and you're still trying to figure out. You got Jack Sanborn. That was a pleasant yeah. surprise, but you really don't know how that middle level is going to shake out going forward. I'm, I don't think any of those guys are safe, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's Jack Sanborn season. Uh, you know, I thought, I, I think, and, you know, we'll throw this to Luke Getze as well. I think he's going to have an opportunity to go and uh, grow in his position as well. And I listen, I, I again, we've, we've echoed this plenty of times on this program. Everybody's learning. Everybody's getting better. Everybody's getting better at doing things. Matt Eberflus is going to be better at doing things as well. Like it's their first year coaches, like their, their first year in their spots, like everybody's learning on the job. And I thought he did a great job. I thought that Eberflus, and by the way, I thought it was a masterclass of everybody. Like we're, we, we all want the bears to lose on like we do. And we don't like, I wanted like ultimately like if uh if the bears would have, i don't know i just wanted i wanted bayless to do well and he did it was perfect so but i love that eberflus was out there complaining about the about the field goal at the end of the first half like okay like this this is our guy right here like he's don't don't go out there and act like you're tanking but yes sir like go out there and you show i i, I love i love everything that i've seen out of eberflus could he be better yeah like everybody's in a position where like you're you're three and fourteen. Like everybody could do better. Wait, three and fifteen? There Whatever. is plenty of blame to go around. It's never just one thing when you're three and fourteen. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you're, he's a first time head coach. He's also got Luke Getzi, who's a first time play caller. 
And you need that there's growing pains associated with the coaching staff as well. Like it's not just players when they're rookies and they're coming in like that trend. That's also a thing with coaches is if it's your first time doing something, you might not do it the best the first time around, but you're going to learn and you're going to get better. So give them the chance. Totally. Give them an opportunity. And uh, there's going to be a lot of growing during the off season. Uh, Do we have another question though, Sam? There is something I wanted. What would it take for you to get, what would you, what would it take for you to give up the number one pick? Again, I don't have the Jimmy Johnson thing. I, again, my dream is having Houston give up both of their first round picks. That's the dream is that hopefully Bryce, uh, Bryce Young establishes himself as, yeah, sway them. Number one guy that it's like, and be like, look, the Colts are going to give us four. They're going to give us DeForest Buckner. You give us your two first round picks and whatever else the trade calculator says. I think that's the dream. And then we trade down again. Trade down multiple times. I would love to double. I'm team trade down all the way. I do think that you need to pick up an extra first round pick. Like, not only do you trade back, but you also pick up another first round pick. Either be it this year, be it next year, you're going to need another first, first rounder to make me think that that's worth it. And I don't care how many spots I'm moving down, even if it's only like two. Yeah. The one thing that, that concerns me is that the South is so brutal that that team could end up being good. Cause it's like, ah, cause you want a first round pick for next year and you want to be in the situation like the Eagles are in or like how uh, Detroit was this year where they had the yeah. Rams pick and the Rams were so miserable. And yeah, they're uh, getting- oh man. <laughs> Detroit, man, turning it into a model organization. Like I, like I know that I love, I love to make my, I love to make fun of them. I do love it too because, like, the cool thing about Detroit is like they're good. Like they've got a lot of good things and a lot of things to be, you know, thank or like excited about. But Jared Goff is your quarterback, and we're like the exact opposite. Like we got nothing, but we got Justin Fields. Like, ah, uh, which position would you rather be in? Hey, uh, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time now talking about how I'm not convinced that Jared Goff is not their quarterback next year. I oh, don't think 100%. that precludes them from taking a quarterback, but now you can pull a whole Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes thing because Jared Goff had like the third best season of his career this year in the regular season. 100%. You know what? They've been making so many great moves over the last couple of years. And I think that, you know, even if they don't use a first round pick, on a quarterback they're in a situation where they could draft like a sam howell type guy who's like a prospect the desmond ritter you know somebody like that that you're like okay he's not going to play this season maybe a little bit better or maybe they they take a wild swing on will levis because they do have that extra draft capital they're in a very interesting position and i do it's funny when people look back at the teams that passed on justin fields i went back and looked at my article from that draft and i suggested that the Lions take Justin Fields for that coming into that draft. I'm like, if I was the Lions, I would actually take Justin Fields. I don't know why they're not considering this. And of course they went with Sewell, who's turned out to be a really good player. Like he's been a solid, good NFL player. Baldy did a nice game Yeah. Yeah, You know what? (laughs) Yeah. Like he's a, he's a good player. Like he is like, that wasn't a, and I saw somebody who was doing the hindsight of like, this is what the team's passed on. And I thought that that person could have been like, you know, Detroit's still like all things being considered. Like, would you rather have Justin Fields and Penny Sewell right now? Like, I don't know. Um, but they're very effusive in the praise and saying like, you know what? Goff's playing well enough for them. He's gotten to a Super Bowl before, so why not? 
why not continue to roll with Jared Goff until it's like it's like if you drive a uh, a Honda Accord, like God, uh, I guess not the flashiest car, but like okay, it's not going to break down on the road to going to Vegas. So let's just I used keep to drive going. a Honda Accord, and I used to drive it. <laughs> of course you did. Um, uh, no, but, and also like I mean, there's something to be said too about the situation that golf is in in Detroit I mean we're watching now in real time what the league thinks of Ben Johnson the offensive coordinator in Detroit he's got I think three head coaching interviews so that's three oh of the five open positions are now interested Aaron Glenn has even gotten called um, yeah. Dan Campbell's staff is really getting noticed and I think that it's warranted given what the Lions were able to do and especially what they were able to do in Lambeau on Sunday I can't say enough about what it takes and the buy-in you have to have from your players to not have anything to play for. And then just be like, yeah, but I want to punch them in the mouth anyway. I, if we're not going to the playoffs, they're not going either. Yeah. But what it. if that, that person that's uh, what, what, but it's also Aaron Rodgers, and he's such a smug a-hole and he was like, Oh, we're not going to lose to the lions. Like he they was can't lose there, to that, th- that team three times to that team. Uh, and he was even pointing out Minnesota and Detroit, like, well, you know, like we have two dome teams coming. Like uh, the NFL tried their, their hardest. I think it's Mike See, North, who, who, not that Mike North, but a different Mike North who puts together the schedule. Oh, it's noticeable that you had two dome teams ending the season at Lambo. Like, of course they but did. Like, that doesn't mean anything anymore. You look at the Packers, they have lost on that well, field. Then, yeah. Their season has ended on that field the last three years, and it started in 2020 with the with the Buccaneers coming in as a wild card team, beating them. San Francisco beating them in the playoffs, and now the Lions. Now the Lions. Warm weather and dome teams. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Well, when you've got Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't matter because that guy sucks. No, he doesn't suck. He's better than me. If we were playing flag football down here at Huntington Beach, I would let him be the quarterback. Do you think that we've seen – I know that you hate already speculating on this, and this is what you're going to be writing about for the next three months. He's yeah. not holding the team hostage, but I don't know. I don't know if Liam Neeson's coming in there to force the issue. He's, <laughs> he's done, right? He can't go on. Yeah, I honestly – I don't know. I think he's done with the Packers. I don't know if he's Ooh. done overall. Uh really? I just, yeah, he, I don't know. I mean, like he said so many conflicting things and so many, like, like he talked about Christian, Christian Watson, like in the height of Christian Watson, you know, scoring eight touchdowns in seven games, whatever it was. Um, He talked about how Christian Watson is like the type of player you come back for. Mm -hmm. And then he turns around at the end of everything and is like, well, and like, he talks about how young the team is and it almost feels like he kind of looks at it like the team is passing him by. Yeah. And I do think that there is a delusion in green Bay of how far away they actually are versus how far away the brass and like Aaron Rodgers thinks they are. Cause Rodgers said it. He said, we're like a player or two away. I'm like, you're not a player or two away. Are you? You're not. Who are the players? Who right. Are they? Like they're, they're Tom Brady away from the Super Bowl. Right, like that's I. That's just not the case at this point. Like you did have, you got a lot of good production out of your young receivers at the end of the day, and uh, you add to to that room. You have to add to that room because then you've got guys like Randall Cobb that are. I, I don't know if they're going to keep playing. Like I, I asked Matt Eberflus about it, or not Matt Eberflus, Matt Lafleur after the game about it. 
about the state of the wide receiver room now looking back on it. And is that enough going forward? And I mean, he still brought up names like Samori Torre and all that other stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, good luck mm-hmm. with that. Are we really George putting Mike. the, you know, yeah. And like, George you got Mike the wrong game. You need, you need help on the offensive line. I mean, as good as David Bakhtiari is like, he's oh, not re- like reliable anymore. And it Whoa. breaks my heart because I love watching him play. Yeah, but he's the best ability is availability, and he doesn't have that. He doesn't have and it, I, and it's no. that's. I look and at like that. Yash Nyman. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson had his way with Yash Nyman last night so much so that Yash Nyman got or Saturday Sunday night and got benched. So they brought in Zach Tom at right tackle because he has tackle flexibility, and they brought him in and he fared marginally better, but not much. So like you need. There's a lot of places that I feel like you still need. And then, like, I don't know what's going on with the defense. you got aging safeties. you got – but in the front seven, you've got a multiple first-round picks that just can't put it together. Hopefully yeah. with Sean Gary getting back. But I'm getting off on a tangent about Green Bay. I don't know. Fine. No, it's I, fine because we're making fun of Green Bay because they're terrible. And, uh, and I don't think they're terrible, I would, but I don't think they're a couple players away. <laughs> they're not like – well, and honestly, like, if Kawhi Walker plays next season, I'll be shocked. I don't – yeah, I mean – I got real killed uh, this week on social. So, like, I if I found the video of him walking off the field and yeah. appearing to say I didn't do anything. Like, he's like yeah. throwing a temper tantrum in the tunnel. Oh, I saw. After it. he's the one that got himself kicked out of the game for shoving a trainer trying to attend yes. to an injured player, especially this week of all weeks. Yeah, of all weeks. Not to mention, it was his second time doing this. He shoved a coach in the Bills game who yeah. was trying to help him up. Like, I get that this is an emotional game and I'm not faulting anybody for showing emotion. And like, if he was legitimately mad at himself showing emotion, that's fine. But like, you brought this on yourself. This is the second time you've done it. You can't be so out of control of your emotions that you do things like this that hurts your team. And then like, see, I I, I just couldn't believe like how many, like people were literally like in my DMs, like, you don't know what it's like, blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, I'm not faulting him. For showing emotion. I'm faulting him for whining like a little baby that he didn't do anything when he did something. He did something terrible and inexcusable and completely bush league. So I was, oh God, I got killed on Twitter. And I'm like, why are we all coming to the defense of someone? Why are you you getting killed? I saw that. Like, what is wrong with people? I don't know. You can't say anything on Twitter. And I like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm very much like, I think four or five, six times before I express any sort of opinion on Twitter. Cause I'm just like, somebody's going to take it the wrong way. And I'm like, I wasn't mad that he's showing emotion. I will never fault anyone for showing emotion. I appreciate that this is an emotional game and I want guys to show emotion. I think men should express their emotions more, but I don't want to see a temper tantrum after you did something yeah. bad. It's like, well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is the issue here. That's why it was a bad look of the whole situation. It was a bad look that he threw a temper tantrum and a bad look that he shoved a trainer. Yes. It's insane. All the way around, bad looks out of Green Bay. Oh, I'm, I can't say that I'm bummed about it. I mean, he. I'm upset as a human being that he did what he did to the trainer, but it's at the same time, like, that organization – uh, they're in for a rude awakening over the next couple of years because I truly do believe that it's going to be the Bears and the Lions over the next couple of seasons who are going to be dominating the, the Vikings. Can't count are the, the Vikings either. You can't I'm count counting them out. No, nope, they're no, counting out. They're a good, they're a good organization. They've got counted a them lot out. of good pieces. They're fine. They'll have, they'll have years like this where they bubble up 
and everything breaks right for them. And then there's still the Vikings. Like, I'm not even convinced they're going to beat the Giants this week. They probably will. But I'm not like, oh, that's an automatic win. I and, really appreciate the culture that Kevin O'Connell has instilled up there. I think there's a lot to be said about that. And that's the reason Kirk Cousins talks about it all the time. This is the most supported he's ever felt. And this is just this team sticks together. And honestly, I do think they're dangerous because they've been down by 33 at halftime um, yeah. and come back. I know oh, they shouldn't have had to come back. I know it was the Colts, but like, if you have that in the back of your head, like we came back from down 33 points, we can do anything. That That's what they, that's what they kept trying to tell us on Monday night when TCU went down 30. Did you see Patrick Peterson? I thought that was so like, funny. Like, hey, like TCU's come back from a bigger deficit than this. You're like, yeah, against Oklahoma State. Like, can it? Like, it's Patrick okay. Peterson was like, it's okay, TCU. All you need is five more touchdowns and or like five touchdowns. And that's what he legitimately said, though, in the locker room of that Colts game was he said, We just all we need is five touchdowns. Yeah. And lo and behold, it happened. I thought that was funny. I thought Pat, Patrick Peterson, he's, I, he's I love that Pete. Don't love get me wrong, Pete. I love him. I'm a huge fan of his coming out. I, like, I think you're going to have to, you're, you're in for a rude awakening about the Vikings. I, I, like I them a lot. You know what? I'm not because they've never been tested. I mean, outside of that game, I got, I guess every time outside of the times they've been tested, they haven't been tested. Right, that's <laughs> I was like, is it, who, I, who is talking about? Okay. I will just tell you about other than the All other right, times that it's happened. I, they've, they've had a very successful season. Yes. I want to see them where they've had six sustained well, they yeah. need to have a lot of rain. We'll see. Like, let's, let's just see if they can sustain it. I have my, I have my doubts. All right, fair enough. I've, I've seen the Chris. I don't I've, know that I can trust them wholly either. So I, I talked about that today. I like Cousins. Uh, we'll like Kirk Cousins is fine. Like he's, he's like Justin Jefferson. I voted for him for Offensive Player of the Year. If you're, uh, okay, if you're watching the Royal Rumble, and they announce Kirk Cousins, you're like, ah, you pop for him, you like him, but you're like, he's not winning the Royal Rumble. You know, he's not that kind of presence. He's not a main eventer. He's a good, he's an upper mid card guy, but he's not a main eventer. Justin Fields he walks down the, the second best season play. of his career. I know. And it's not going to, it might, it might lead them to one playoff win because they're playing the Giants. We'll see what happens when they have to play the Eagles or the 49ers. Mm-hmm. If he beats them, then I'll be. And I think that I've deserved, I've earned the right. I've seen enough out of Kirk Cousins. Oh, you know, because like of all the guys, like Jared Goff would be the one that'd be like, okay, I got to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's been to a Super Bowl. Out of all these quarterbacks in the NFC playoffs, there's what two who've been to a Super Bowl, and it's Tom Brady and Jared Goff, right? Well, yeah. Jared Goff isn't in them, so yeah, it's Tom Brady and oh, yeah. he's not even in it. Yeah, right, he's not even in it. So oh, I'm sorry, I just keep thinking that. I keep thinking the, the Lions because the Lions wanted their in it. Yeah, no. better than like they're. No disrespect to the Vikings. I would I would fear the Lions more right now than I would fear. Oh, the I, I I would too. Again, because of like the Cowboys what they were able to do at Lambeau. I think that yeah. was just incredible. It was incredible. Right? That it was you know awesome. There is there's the there's the case study right there of like and like the Vikings still were in the mix for the number one overall seed. Those two teams exemplified where those franchises truly are. By where the way they performed at Green Bay, that's my thesis statement. All right, now we're now we're way off on a tangent, but listen, this has been a lot of fun, and this is listen, this is why this is going to continue because we haven't even started to do mock drafts. Like we're still new into this. Oh, I did uh, my first one today. 
Oh, first one of mine came out today on FoxSports.com. If you want to check it out, please do. I did it. With, I did it with David Hellman, who is another Fox Sports insider. He usually covers the Cowboys. He's also on Speak on FS1. So him and I did a mock draft for the first time. Our first, right, well, our first crack at it. If I was a professional, I would have had that available and ready for us. Um, but we'll. <laughs> are you going to do one every week, or is this will? will this no, be not every week. Uh, I think the next time we'll do one is going to be when the season is actually over. I think this was our okay. just first mock of the regular season's over. You know, we 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 jumped the gun a little bit on that, but no. I, yeah, I don't think we're going to do another one until the season's done. Well, then done. let's just let's just pretend I knew that. And then next week, we're going to go over Carmen's mock draft that she did for FoxSports.com. Go check it out right now. That's your homework assignment, everybody. Go check out Carmen's mock draft on FoxSports.com. We will reconvene next week and uh, make fun of her for it. Yep. Not as much. And those are the uh, those are the handles right there, at Adam Rank on Twitter and TikTok, not Instagram. I'm at Adam Rank NFL on Instagram and Carmy V uh, all over the place, Instagram. Are you on TikTok? I am. I think I'm... TikTok Carmy V, but Ooh. I'm Carmy V on Instagram and Twitter. So. Oh, awesome. That's the dream. But in any event, uh, thank you so much for being here. I won't put you on the spot for any final words, but we do thank everybody who has been coming by through the entirety of the season, stopping by asking questions. We appreciate all of them. You know, we went a little overtime today, but that's cool because there was a lot to talk about. But next week, we'll start diving into some of the mock drafts. I might even do one myself. We'll see what I'll, I'll save it. We got to spread this out. So we'll, we're going to take Carmen to task next week on her mock draft, and maybe there'll be some more Bears news, and we'll make fun of teams that we'll make fun of the Vikings for losing at home to the Giants. It'll be our riot. So we will we'll see, see you. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll have fun. Uh, we'll look forward to that. Until next week, everybody, bear down. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy.